Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like a stormtrooper. We're just doing the best we can, uh, even if we miss sometimes. <laughs> Today on the show, we are concluding MBTI week with talking about cognitive functions. Now this is going to be the introduction to cognitive functions, and this is pretty deep into the advanced course. So if you have any semblance of an idea of what cognitive functions are, or like anything about MBTI, this is going to be the time where you start to dive into cognitive functions, which is really the gateway into the true depth of understanding of Myers-Briggs. Like everything that we're talking about in the course, even in the advanced level of the course, is all stuff that is like surface level. It is, it is, there's so much depth. This is like level one and all of the depths of level one, but then cognitive functions is like level two. Uh, it is like, it is literally next level where you start to learn a little bit about all the individual functions about each person's type. And you can start to type people a little bit easier, but type yourself as well and understand and even start to think about which function you're utilizing in certain areas of your life. It really gets crazy. And um, this is where the door is really opened up for me. So I wanted to share this as one of the free segments because it could get you excited and interested in this in general. And I'm also going to be doing an, a cognitive functions course dedicated specifically to cognitive functions in the next month or so. And um, perhaps I'll do another MBTI week or a, an episode or two um, focused on that, depending on how we, this week goes, of course, uh, and, and see how it goes. So um, cognitive functions is pretty important for having a full understanding of the picture of Myers-Briggs and um, is going to really be able to help you to improve your career and relationships and parenting and money and all that stuff. It, it, it's absolutely uh, been pivotal for my uh, direction change and growth. So if you want to go check out the course, go to cnote.media. It is going to be up for $49 for today only. The last day is today. After today is going up to $99. And the official launch of the course is going to be today as well. So you're going to be able to see all 35 segments and everything will be ready and up for you to check it out and go through the course at blazing speeds. Actually, no, I'm going to be trip. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be drip uh, releasing it. So you'll be doing them over time, over a week or so. But uh, still, there's going to be a lot of stuff to take on and to learn and appreciate and um, you know be on the lookout for that. So since this is the final of, of MBTI week, I just want to cover again. Um, if you go to cnote.media, you're going to see all of my courses there. You can go to um, see my podcast course as well as the Myers-Briggs course. I have a basics in easy mode course for Myers-Briggs. And then this one that I'm promoting is the Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX course, which is the advanced course. And uh, I plan to do a whole bunch of mini courses for each individual type. So INTP, ENFP, ESFJ, all of that stuff. And then after that, there's going to be a third tier of uh, marketing focused um courses that are specifically for people who are trying to learn how to speak to their audience and stuff like that using Myers-Briggs typology. So um, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up, but dopamine will kind of return to its regularly scheduled stuff. We'll sprinkle in some Myers-Briggs here and there as we have, um, you know, more conversations about these topics as we go along and go forward. But this is going to conclude MBTI week, and um, we're going to kick it off uh, kick off this last episode of the week with cognitive functions. Intro to cognitive functions. Let's go. Let's do it. Drums, please. 
So, hey, welcome. You made it. This is great. Uh, intro to cognitive functions. This is going to be one that is, uh, I'm going to back away from the microphone. I feel like it's getting too hot. <laughs> um, intro to cognitive functions is, is really starting to get into some of the advanced stuff. And even with the advanced course, we don't really dive into cognitive functions yet. You know, cognitive functions is really like level three kind of stuff. If I were to say, this course, as it stands, has been kind of level one. Level two is going to go into a lot of the nuances that come with extrovert, introvert, things like that, and a little bit more about the considerations and typology as a tool and things like that. Whereas cognitive functions is just a whole different level and does require its own course because it is a completely different method of understanding. It is a way that people who type people from behaviors, this is the way to un that people can understand a little bit more about, about picking out someone's behaviors. The, one of the easiest ways to understand what cognitive functions are is they are almost how a combination of the letters work. Because the eight functions that I mentioned, introvert, extrovert, thinking, feeling, judging, perceiving, um, and intuitive and sensor, are each of those have introvert and extrovert qualities to them. So these are things that we are going to be uh, considering and talking about. So particularly when it comes to, um, well, the eight cognitive functions as they stand, you have introverted intuition, extroverted intuition, introverted sensing, extroverted sensing, introverted feeling, introverted or extroverted feeling, extroverted thinking, and, and introverted thinking. So, um, and notice that we did not mention introvert or extrovert other than tied to the types and judging or perceiving because J and P in the names basically is a way to denote the, it's a way for us to, to use those four letters to denote whether something, some aspect of your personality is an introverted quality or an extroverted quality. And then the, uh, in, in reference to your um, introversion, and extroversion, there are going to be a variety of ways that you can approach it. So we're going to, we're going to talk about it from the, well, we're going to just kind of dive into the cognitive functions and um, kind of let you know what they really mean. Uh, I have a little bit of a hard time explaining how the letters, you know, INTP fully relates to the translation of the cognitive functions, because there's no easy translation, at least for me to understand at the moment. The only thing that I can really tell you is that the J or P combined with your thinking or feeling gives you a sense of how you make your decisions. So, you know, TJs, for example, are extroverted thinkers, because J is an extroverted, uh, an extroverted type, and, you know, it's how you convey yourself to the world. So your decision making is about the extroverted world. And the same thing with FJs, you're, you're, feeling your decision making based on feeling is about extroversion out, out into the world. So FPs and TPs are going to be about introverted decision making. Um, and then your intuitive um, and sensing qualities are, I'm not sure how the letters actually uh, correspond to those. So I got to have to look into that actually for, um, for the, for the larger course to better explain that. But um each type has its own set of functions. Each type has eight cognitive functions, 
And these are variations on intuitive sensor thinking and feeling. And each of those have introverted qualities and extroverted qualities. So again, to go through that, there's introverted intuitive, extroverted intuitive, introverted sensor and extroverted sensor, introverted thinker and extroverted thinker, introverted feeler and extroverted feeler. So introvert versus extrovert uh, in, in this context is about understanding how you utilize that strength. And your cognitive stack, as it were, consists of four of those functions. Everyone has eight functions, but we look at the top four as a way to define uh, the, someone's preference. And again, like I mentioned before in earlier segments, everybody utilizes the same eight functions, but we utilize it in different ways. So when we're talking about cognitive functions, it is about subconscious brain wiring. It is how your brain processes information, how it makes decisions, how it utilizes information, and how it understands complexity, and how it takes time to to coalesce certain things. So um, one of the easiest ways to understand it is that each person has two introverted functions and two extroverted functions. And being an introvert or an extrovert, the I or the E in the four-letter code is based on which cognitive function is your preferred method of seeing the world. So for me, I'm an introverted thinker. And to not be confused with I and T inside of the naming of the, the four-letter code, it is very different. This is called introverted thinking or or um, known as TI, T, capital T, lowercase I, introverted thinking. And each one of these has different codes. So they're going to have the first letter and then I or E in lowercase next to it, except for intuitive is going to have the letter N. So intuitive, an extrovert or introvert. So intuitive, uh, uh, introverted intuition, I should say, is NI. So capital N, lowercase I. Introverted sensing, introverted is, is capital S, lowercase I for example. So um, the best way to understand that is that just use the first letter, except for intuitive, and then apply introvert or extrovert to it. So again, each type has two introverted, uh, two introverted uh, functions and two extroverted functions. And it's important because you think about flow states, you think about who we are as people, and every person has an inner world and an outer world. You know, whether or not we choose to access that is a part of that cognitive preference. So we might take more or less time to spend time within our inner world and make decisions there. Or we might just be able to play and daydream and have a good time in it, depending on which function um, we're, we're, we're dealing with. So and that's this is basically why I mentioned early on how introverts need to speed up. And extroverts need to slow down because each of us has other functions that we could benefit intensely from utilizing and fluctuating throughout our lives. And basically, so if I can use myself as an example, again, I lead with introverted intuition. My secondary function is extroverted intuition or what did I say? Okay, hold on. <laughs> Sorry. I lead with introverted thinking. My second function is extroverted intuition. My third function is introverted sensing. And my inferior function is extroverted feeling. 
So you can see that it fluctuates back and forth. It's, and that's why it's naturally uncomfortable for people to go from introvert to extrovert, meaning everybody has introvert and extrovert qualities. That's basically the point I want to get across here is that everybody has introvert and extrovert qualities, but we fluctuate between the two and we fluctuate back and forth where a healthy person should more naturally fluctuate back and forth. And the reason for understanding the differences between dominant, secondary, tertiary, and inferior is, is just the ability to understand when one is trying to take over more than the others. You know, the first two are usually the ones that you want to fluctuate between the, the most. You know, you want to dive in between the first and the second one. For, so for me, introverted thinking is, is spending some time on my own, doing a lot of cognitive research and learning things and doing stuff like this, like talking in a method of, of, of uh, logical subjectivity and sharing things with people and learning new information and playing, uh, you know, doing puzzles or something and having myself a good time. And uh, utilizing my extroverted intuition is literally getting out into the world and playing and having a good time and going out into the world without an expectation you know, literally getting lost in my city <laughs> or going to improv and doing something that is that requires unexpected thinking and maybe a bit of risk as well. And, and you can see how that balances each other out and different types have different kinds, different variations of that. So, again, I like to use ENFJs as the example because they're basically they're nearly the opposite of my type and they lead with extroverted feeling. And the personality hacker codenames this as harmony because it is about making sure everyone's needs are met. So they lead with extroverted feeling, which means they're typically concerned with community. They want to make sure that everyone is is feeling good and in their best being their best selves. And, and be, when they feel like everyone else is happy, they are their most individualistic and they are their most happy. So it is important for them to do that. And their second function is introverted intuition, which is some one of the ones that is like a little bit harder to explain. Uh, introverted intuition is like taking stock in in your subconscious brain wiring. And, and again, like I mentioned about intuition in general, intuition in general is about pattern recognition. But introverted intuition is about pattern recognition within yourself and within people and people's intentions and things like that. So it is about making sure in, in the sense of an ENFJ, it is about taking stock internally, ma making sure that you're taking time to your uh, to yourself to almost let your brain wander and to allow you to to take stock in the people around you, the situations around you and make sure that everything is like as good as you think it is or maybe as bad as you think it is. And make sure that you're you're understanding uh, uh, through just kind of daydreaming and letting things wander, you know, usually realizations will kind of just come to you. It's kind of like that feeling of, of when you're in the shower and you just get like really good ideas. <laughs> uh, that's kind of what introverted intuition is like. And uh, introverted intuitives are very interesting. They would be like the mages of the world. They just have like this very magical um, sensory subconscious understanding of things and they don't even themselves understand how they know a lot of things. So, uh, to kind of make a transition, you know, INTJs and INFJs both lead with introverted intuition. And, you know, for example, um, uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is an INTJ and he comes off a little bit robotic and there's actually a reason for that. You know, he's an introverted intuitive. So he has a sense of 
himself, but people and their subconscious brain wiring. And he's able to utilize that in his secondary function, which is extroverted thinking, which means applying uh, data to structures and to find ways to kind of uh, pull people together. So the combination of introverted intuition and extroverted thinking is what led to Facebook. <laughs> you know, it's a very like uh, um, people focused systems thing. And it's not really about, it's not really about people, which is really interesting. It's about finding a way to get all of the information that you can about people all in one place, which is what Facebook is and has been since its inception. So the reason also that Mark Zuckerberg is kind of a robotic person is that his inferior function, or rather his uh, tertiary function, I should say, is introverted feeling. So introverted feeling is often associated with authenticity and a self sense of identity. And introverted feelers don't necessarily need to show emotion outwardly. They are just taking stock in how they feel about something and don't need to necessarily express it. So a lot of intro, uh, INTJs will not really show emotion outwardly because they are taking stock in emotion themselves and they don't need to have other people to tell them how to feel. <laughs> they're exploring their introverted intuition and they're exploring uh, creating systems or working within systems in the outer world. And those things will give them a sense of how to, um, to, to think and feel. So, um, to give you kind of a quick overview of what each function or not what each function, but what each, uh, uh, cognitive placement actually means, uh, I'll just kind of run through that real quick. So your dominant function, your first function is going to be the function that you are using as your dominant driver. It is the thing that you are going to subconsciously lean on the most. You're going to use the most. It is the most comfortable. For me, it is introverted thinking. And I use it in a way that, again, I spend a lot of time on my own. I do a lot of thinking. I do a lot of um, philosophizing. I do a lot of abstract thinking, which is more what TI is about. TI is about subjective thinking and being able to play with things because it is about my internal world and my understandings of things, you know, and there are strengths and weaknesses to that, you know, being introverted thinkers, INTPs are typically some of the, the traditionally most intelligent people, um, out there in the world. It's not a given though. INTPs tend to think that they can, that they are in, they are just God's gift <laughs> because they have an ability to understand concepts in a way that other people might not and understand some of the details that other people might not. And, um, you know, I can understand why some would think that when I was a lot younger, I would definitely feel like I am, uh, uh, more intelligent than the people around me, but you know, intelligence can leak into arrogance and that can be the problem of introverted thinking is that, um, and, and generally leading too much with your dominant strength is that you end up leaning too much on it and you're not using your other functions to gain new information about the world and to nurture that dominant function. So that's why I say like going between the first function and the second function is really important because it allows you to make sure that you're giving your dominant strength, your, your dominant um, uh, function a little bit of a break and going into the other functions and, making sure that you're, you know, evenly taking things into account, meaning your dominant function 
is going to be your dominant function, but it's not limitless. You know, you're going to go into a place where if you spend too much time introverted thinking or introverted feeling, you're going to, you're going to start to come up with, uh, um, really maybe terrible things. (laughs) A lot of introverted feelers are very concerned with people being authentic and, can feel like people are phonies if they don't really take the time to get to know them. So a lot of dystopian writing from, I'd say, even like the 60s to the 80s is from introverted feelers who were feeling very, um, not getting a lot enough exposure to the outside world, not using their extroverted intuition, which is their secondary function, and understanding more about you know the world and people and where things are going. So they can develop a bit of a bleak, uh, um, outlook on the future and come up with, you know, and introverted thinkers can do the same in different kinds of ways without, so without checking in on reality on the outside world, you know, you can start to formulate things that aren't healthy for you. Is basically what I'm saying. Um, and that can apply to, you know, extroverted sensors as well. If they are just going out into the world and just doing things, and not taking time to take stock on their introverted feelings or intuition or whatever their secondary function is, you know, they're not going to stop and, and, and think about it and say like, okay, maybe this is too much, (laughs) or maybe I was wrong about this. Maybe I shouldn't have said that or something like that. Um, so again, it's about, if you're leading with a certain function, your second function is typically the, I wouldn't say the opposite, but it is the, it is a, an opposing function that's going to help you get out into the world. It isn't, it is an opposite function in terms of introversion or extroversion. So it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable because it's not something that you're used to using. Some people can develop this naturally. Um, I felt like I developed my intuition pretty naturally, uh, as a teenager, uh, I started to feel like I wanted to get out and explore more. I would go out with friends and just do whatever. I was always up into open to new ideas and, um, you know, I've, I've traveled, I've, I've driven across the country twice and, uh, I've, I've gone to a lot of places and, and explored, which is another, um, another way of, of naming extroverted intuition, which is like exploration. So, um, the secondary function is the greatest opportunity for growth, which is what I'm saying when I say like, you know, you're, you're typically best suited to navigate between your dominant and secondary functions, because those are going to be kind of the easiest and most natural for you to, to be, to navigate. And, um, it is something that is going to help you, you know, learn about where you can grow. So if you're an introverted feeler, if you're an INFP or an ISFP, you are going to want to use your secondary function, which is extroverted sensing or extroverted intuition which both involve getting out into the world and extroverted sensing is more about experiencing things and um, specifically trying something um, that you have in mind and that, or that you feel would be a good idea (laughs) Uh, or, or something that you're even uncertain about. And then your extroverted intuition is going to be about going out into the world and uh, just exploring, just meeting random people and going out without any expectations or any, uh, you know, any worry, essentially. So your secondary function is going to help you kind of get out of your shell a little bit. And it is good to again, it's going to have a little bit of a lower capacity than your dominant function. So definitely be aware, but it's going to be like, 
be aware of your energy, but it's going to be like muscle development. You know, you're going to take a little bit of time to get out into the world and try different things and see how it feels and then try something else, you know, but you, you can't just be an introvert and not do anything. And you can't just be an extrovert and not take time to slow down and think about things or feel things or daydream or, you know, think about your past and how that affects you today and, and how you're applying those principles to today. So again, in the, in the cognitive functions course, I'm going to go into what each of these functions kind of mean on their own, but then how they apply to different, um, different personality types. So I'm kind of trying to jump around and give you an overview sense of what's going on with cognitive functions. And then the, um, your tertiary is typically going to be, so your tertiary and your inferior functions are going to be ones that you can nurture, but there are ones that you're typically not going to access on purpose very much. Um, your tertiary is one that has the, uh, in the, the, what is it? The sophistication. That's the word, <laughs> the sophistication of a 10 year old child. You know, it's always going to be fairly under, underdeveloped. And, um, you know, I'm using that reference from personalityhacker.com. They're really great. And, um, they have their own courses as well. So you can totally check out their courses. And I really hope to get involved in, with them as well at some point. But, um, they, the, the tertiary function is going to have the sophistication of a 10 year old child. So you can't necessarily trust it. You kind of want to engage it in play. Uh, you want to, and your tertiary function is going to typically manifest in defensive behavior. So however you get defensive is how you are going to, how that's going to manifest. So for example, and, um, you know, apologies to Molly, I'm going to point it out here, but <laughs> she's an ENFP and her tertiary function is extroverted thinking. So whenever she gets really defensive or really annoyed or really ready to, um, you know, and, and, and trying to put a stop to something and <laughs> trying to put a stop to uh, something I'm saying or whatever, she gets very sharp and very, very quick and very out loud about her behaviors. It's very aggressive. It's very like, well, you know, and then like a statement. So extroverted thinkers are about actual data and actual, you know, information in the world and, um, making sure that you understand what they're thinking. <laughs> and especially with the sophistication of a 10 year old child, think about people who are extroverted thinkers, but they are 10 year olds. So, and those are the behaviors that are going to come out. Extroverted feelers are going to be a little bit more or extroverted feelers in their, in their tertiary. Um, and I believe that's an ENTP and I'm not sure which else, but um, off the top of my head, but ENTPs are the example that come to mind. Their tertiary is extroverted feeling and they will get into a very emotional, outward, aggressive kind of um, uh, stance, you know, and they'll get triggered. And, and you can almost think of the tertiary as ways that you get triggered. You know, if information is inaccurate, and it's very upsetting to a personal uh, identity or story, ENFPs will get upset because they're, that'll activate their extroverted thinking. And ENTPs will get upset if um, harmony is disrupted 
based on something that they're trying to create or something that they've put out into the world that is also information based. So they will get really upset about that and get emotional and give emotional responses. Um, but that might be muddled with, you know, poor use of information because they're not used to using their extroverted feeling. Um, so, and for me, my, my tertiary comes out as introverted sensing. So I will tend to withdraw because that's what I did when I was younger. <laughs> and I will withdraw and I will typically um, tend to reference the past when I get upset because introverted sensing is all about your past and traditions and the way things are or the way things were. And um, I, I can, you know, when I was younger, I typically would just kind of stay quiet and withdraw and not uh, disrupt anything. So that's what would happen for me. Um, and then your inferior function and well, okay. And, and the ways that you can play with your tertiary function is to, um, that sounds dirty. Um, <laughs> the way that you can play with your, uh, your tertiary function is to learn about that function. You know, so if, if, um, for Molly, for example, as an ENFP, if she would to engage her extroverted thinking and play, she would, you know, do something that was like maybe strategy based, you know, play chess or chess or something or something that involved a little bit of of, um, yeah, strategy or planning or structure in any kind of way. And it's something that doesn't necessarily need to you don't have to do it very long or very for very much. But to engage it positively is is certainly helpful. It's like playing with a 10 year old kid who really loves playing with like uh, um Legos or something, something that involves building something or structure or, or planning something, you know, is, is usually can be pretty exciting for an extrovert thinker. Um, and then your inferior function is, you know, tricky because your inferior function has the sophistication of a three-year-old child. And it is one that, um, will sneak up on you and kind of throw you off your rocker if you're not aware of it and you're not satiating it little by little throughout your life. Um, your inferior function can take over if you are kind of drained in both your, your dominant and secondary functions. So if I lean too heavily on my introverted thinking and I'm not getting affirmations based on that, or I'm not getting any kind of respect or harmony or a sense of appreciation or not giving enough appreciation, I can typically, uh, um, get into a place where what's called the inferior grip, which is something I'm going to go into great detail with the cognitive functions course. Um, your inferior grip is when your inferior starts to just kind of take over. And for INTPs, we can get kind of whiny <laughs> when we get really upset. We just don't have any, you know, like a three-year-old child that is like not getting their needs met or not having the needs met of their environment. Um, we just get very whiny. Like, why isn't this is not fair? Like what's, why is this like this? What is life? You know, like that kind of thing, type of thing. Um, and it'll manifest differently for different types, uh, in, in different ways. I did an entire YouTube video on, um, inferior functions and how that shows up for different types. Um, uh, an example that I can remember is, uh, introverted intuition. So there's an EST ESFP rather. Um, there's a YouTube channel called Sarah MBTI and she does all these like examples. She shows examples of, um, movie scenes that show pretty well personality type usage. So she showed an example of pretty woman, um, you know, Julia Roberts, uh, 
that character is likely an ESFP. And there's this, the scene in the hotel. Um, I don't remember the scene exactly. I've, I think I've seen Pretty Woman once. And um, there's a scene in the hotel where people are trying to basically put her in a box and they're trying to contain her and they're trying to keep her controlled and they're trying to give her rules that are kind of asinine. And ESFPs get very stressed out. So another way to think about inferior functions is like what manifests when you're under high stress. Uh, and high, and I, I emphasize high stress because your tertiary function will kind of take charge when there's a little bit of stress or you're specifically triggered by something, whereas your inferior function can manifest in high stress. So for her as an ESFP, her high stress comes out as introverted intuition, which typically is a misunderstanding because it's underdeveloped. It's a misunderstanding of people's intentions typically, or they'll start to like, start to, to try to annoy the persons that, that it's annoying them. So somebody will say a statement like, you're not listening. You'll be like, you're not listening. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, and just, uh, and they're, they're just introverted intuition is just like way off base. And they're just, they're, they tend to get quieter and recoil, which is very different for an ESFP. ESFPs are usually very vibrant and fun people. And for them to recoil and become quiet and just kind of like almost ignore someone that's talking to them. And then when they do outburst, it, it comes out as like really poor understandings of someone's intentions. It, it can come out in, in that kind of way. So it's another example of uh, the inferior function kind of taking over. And the best way for people to be able to, um, to calm that down is to, you know, get away from the stress, of course, and to start to utilize some of your dominant strength again and start to use both your dominant and secondary functions in, in kind of healthy ways, maybe tossing between the two back and forth a little bit. You know, what helps me to de-stress is to mostly go into my secondary function. If I'm feeling stress, I'll go for a walk and aimlessly, or I will go and explore, you know, I'll use my extroverted intuition. So for, um, you know, ENTJs, for example, ENTJs have introverted feeling as their inferior function, and they can often feel very lost because ENTJs are usually pretty much in control. They have a really strong sense of, of, of systems and people, and they have a pretty good intuition when it comes to people's intentions. Uh, so they can get really stressed out when someone is trying to use emotion too much to control them or applying emotion in a way that is not helpful to the overall structure. So they'll get really stressed out when that becomes too much and they'll not use their introverted feeling enough naturally in their life. They're not taking a lot of time, uh, underdeveloped, you know, ENTJs won't be taking time to slow down as much. I think of Gary Vee. He's definitely an ENTJ, but uh, he seems to take a, a little bit of time to himself. He's got plenty of time on the weekends to do his thing. He spends time with his family, and I'm sure he takes time to take stock in his emotions and his intuition and figure out, you know, what to do in life. Um, the example, if you again go to Sarah MBTI on YouTube, the example she used was Glenn Close's character in... Um, uh, the devil wears Prada. She's absolutely an ENTJ. And there's a, a part, part where she's incredibly stressed, um, incredibly stressed with her assistant. And, um, 
when she's she's feeling everything's like slowing down, but she's still very much annoyed with things. So it's like when you're using your extroverted or when you're using your inferior function, you you're both using that inferior function, but kind of using the worst parts of your dominant function because your dominant function is just like depleted and tired and you need it needs a break. So, you know, that's why I say like lean into the secondary function if you can, if you understand what that is for you. And be able to use that as as a means to like move forward and move away from it. Again, with the Glenn Close example, she was utilizing introverted feelings. She was crying, but she was still trying to like hold it together because it's something it's a very private introverted experience. She was able to privately show a little bit more emotion to her um, to her assistant. But for the most part, she doesn't want to show her emotions out loud. She needs to work through it. And she needs to use her introverted intuition to understand how to navigate the scenario and take time to just kind of let things be and not try to control so much and, um, you know, end up finding a way to, you know, surmount that and move forward. So um, I hope that was helpful in in understanding cognitive functions. (laughs) I did kind of jump around quite a bit. So hopefully that was a, a decent understanding of the, of, of the idea of cognitive functions. You know, there are things called cognitive function loops that we're going to talk about. And really the, and the reason I wanted this, this intro to be so in depth is because this is only the tip of the iceberg. There is so much to talk about when it comes to each function and each type as it relates to their functions, cognitive function loops, inferior grip, um, defensiveness. There's so many different topics that we can break down that, you know, can relate to a lot of things that I've talked about in this course already. When it comes to things to consider about your maturity and upbringing, a lot of that can relate to cognitive functions. And I can talk about it in more detail with cognitive functions. And, you know, I'll talk about it a little bit more in the Myers-Briggs Advanced course, but also the cognitive functions hard mode course is going to go real in depth with this stuff. It is so much that I've learned over the last nine months or so. And it's really something that has allowed me to understand people better. And not not put people in a box, like I said, but to understand and be a little bit more forgiving of when people are utilizing different functions in different ways. And sometimes you can tell when someone is leaning on one function or another because of like their upbringing, like I mentioned previously. So it can be uh, interesting to know what's going on with yourself or with someone else. So that is it. That is intro to cognitive functions. 35 minutes is long enough. (laughs) Um, so, uh, let me know if you have questions about that. Uh, this is also going to be in the advanced course. So if you want anything more, if you want anything new, um, I highly suggest to pick up the MBT, MBTI hard mode cognitive functions course, which I'm going to set up the beta presale for, um, very soon, but it should be up within the next few weeks. And this is, um, this is early July right now. So by the end of July, it should be available. So um, that's it for cognitive functions. And we're going to do one more segment to conclude this course and, uh, you know, officially certify you. Well, it's not really officially certified, but uh, certified for me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and let's do this thing. 
So yeah, that's it. That concludes MBTI week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope you appreciate uh, some of this content. If you like it, if you want to learn more about Myers-Briggs and have me sprinkle this into dopamine content, let me know. Hit me up at Rival My Design on all the social channels or hit me with a voice message here on Anchor. So uh, today is the last chance, just a reminder, to get the Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX course for $49. It is 35 segments of stuff. 15 to 35 minutes per segment, lots of information, more of my lovely voice <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of information about Myers-Briggs and really getting the full understanding the full breadth of how you can utilize it and uh, start to understand uh, a bit of a direction for yourself, for your relationships, for your career, for your parenting style, for all sorts of things, understanding intuition and sensing, uh, talking about uh, extroversion and introversion, thinking versus feeling types and all sorts of things that are going on with this. So it's pretty important for me to share this with you because it has been essential for me to use this as my own personal growth tool. I've been feeling so much better as I start to take this career shift into doing more product-based and course-based work and working on this podcast. It has felt amazing to make this shift. And it's all thanks to Myers-Briggs and myself and understanding, taking the time to understand all of the concepts and realize that the reason that things aren't clicking in other areas, especially with my entrepreneurship path, is because I'm trying to do a lot of service-based work. And because I'm an INTP, it's just not clicking for me. And it and it, it totally gels. It makes sense. And um, it's not that I should avoid peopling, but I should reserve my people energy uh, and skills for social skills instead of using it for my entrepreneurship skills. So... Um, yeah, that's basically it. So again, cnote.media, go check out all the courses I've got there. $49 until today, till the end of today, till midnight tonight, essentially. And um, and, and go pick that up while you still can. Uh, it's going to be $99 after today. So you get 50% off if you act now. Go do the thing. cnote.media, Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX course. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for humoring me this week with MBTI week. I thought it would be a really good idea to just share all this information that I'm already uh, recording and talking about. So um, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me. And um, I do offer one-on-one consultations for Myers-Briggs stuff, but it's going to be a little bit more pricey. But if you're willing to shell out the dollars, then let's make something happen. So um, with that, uh, I hope you guys take care of yourselves and each other. Have yourselves a pleasant weekend. I hope you pick up the course and I hope I get to see your name pop up in my email box and uh, we can have discussions and and stay in contact because that would be rad. So um, take care of yourselves and each other and I'll talk to you next time on Dopamine. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine. I really appreciate it. If you thought this was a dope show, then you should wait until next week. But also, while you wait, you should go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a positive review. Positive reviews help me to uh, fill up my dopamine tank. Otherwise, you can send your friends to dopamine.life to listen to the show or hi, my name is Christian.com to get the latest updates. I'll catch you later.